Amen. And how many know what you'd be doing? Now, don't give me that sanctified look. You know. Amen. You'd be looking around. Amen. Looking to have fun. Well, it's going to be a two uh, good days to be with you, and I am really delighted to bring greetings from our church to your church here. Uh, just a special group of people to us, and we love your pastor and his family. They mean a lot to us, and Pastor Dylan and his family. It's just uh, every time they come, they really do make a difference in our church, and we everyone there just loves your family, uh, Pastor Blake, and what you bring. We had the best camp we've ever had. It was, it was the best camp we've ever had. It was super good. Amen. And uh, God knows the young people in our church need a lot of saving. And so it was, it was good for us and good for them. Good for them, too. Uh, I wish Marie could have come with me. I've run all over. I, last week was in Mexico and, and then uh, this week here. And uh, she was there. By, a man had been we'd gotten saved years ago and then he got in trouble and went to prison and hadn't and, and got out of prison just two or three days ago never hadn't seen his mom she's an older lady uh, uh, you know Landon would know who he is uh, the uh, Santa Stephen boy Jimmy Santa Stephen and uh, he came home and his time was up in prison he just really uh, you know I know this sounds like a contradiction but uh, he got a hold of God in there he's a good boy he came home to his mama and was sitting there in the chair and passed away and didn't, uh, didn't get to spend any time with her. So she went to their funeral today. Then Sunday, after the preaching, uh, a lady in our church, Maria, uh, prayed with the lady there. And the lady was walking out of our church, went across, was crossing the road out on that main street. Car hit her and killed her. And had just, had just prayed, you know. Wow, if it wasn't for heaven, amen? Thank God. We've all had losses. We've all been through some deep waters, amen? And that's why one of the things I love about church is I find people of like precious faith where we can put our faith together and we can pray one for another, remember one another. And uh, friends are very special. They're very special. And I met a good friend. I, you know, a lot of people, you meet people. But I, I met Brother Jimmy today, and I thought, what a, I felt like I knew him. I felt like he's part of our family, like I'd known him all my life. I, not just blowing smoke. No. You know, I don't blow smoke. I'm just saying it like it is. Well, you know, tonight, if you have your Bibles, I want to preach for a few minutes out of uh, the Scriptures in Genesis chapter <clears throat> 42, and there's one verse there that I'd like to just go from that I believe would be an encouragement to us, something that the Lord showed me about a week and a half ago, and it says in Genesis chapter 42 and verse 40, verse 36, and it speaks about a man who, whose name was Isaac, and he had two sons, Jacob and Esau. And uh, this, this is a tremendous story. And this particular event here, this man's name is Joseph. And I want you to look at, if you would, at verse 36. 
And it says, and Jacob, their father, said to them, to the, to the brothers, there are 12 of them, you have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you want me to take Benjamin. And I picked up on these words. It's like they just came off the page. Uh, All these things are against me. I don't know if you're like me, but I have felt like times when all these things were against me. And I thought of people who've passed on, and I thought of setbacks and things, disappointments and prayers that I hadn't seen the answer to and uh, answer for. And I'd seen uh, a lot of things, and I'm waiting on God and saying, when are you going to do this? And why is this happening like this? And what's going on anyway? The interesting thing about this is Joseph, unfortunately, was uh, Jacob's favorite. And he'd made a coat of many colors, and they'd gone out. And, of course, Jacob provoked his brothers to jealousy because you remember the story. Many of you, you'll remember the story how he said how his brothers are going to bow down to him. And, you know, when you start telling your brothers or your sisters whatever, they're going to be bowing down to you, that doesn't go over very good. And uh, they were out in the field one day, and they uh, so despised Joseph that... Uh, they killed a goat. They took the coat of many colors, put blood all over, took it back to their father, Jacob. And they said, well, here's his coat. We don't know what happened. It looks like he's, uh, he's been killed. And the father is so uh, bereaved and so distraught. He's lost this boy that he loved. He made a coat of many colors. Now, the interesting thing about this story to me is that then they take him and they... Uh, sell him, uh, put him in a pit, and then some Egyptians come by, and they say, well, why don't we just take him out of the pit? And I'm, I'm not sure if it was Simeon. I can remember the, one of them. And uh, he said, why don't we just take him out of the pit and uh, sell him to the Egyptians? Being a, being a real Jew, he, he said, why don't we just go ahead and sell him and make a little money out of this here? <laughs> and so they did. And then he goes on, and you know the story how he ends up at Potiphar's house. She, she uh, is hitting on him, and he, he runs out of his coat and gets uh, free from her, and she lies about him in my... Oh, thank you. Just pure water? <laughs> she, she, she says he tried to take advantage, and, you know, he goes to prison while he's in prison. I mean, this, these are dark days. Uh, these are hard times. And I can only imagine his father, Jacob, at night, wondering, waking up. You know, when, you, when you're worried about somebody or you're praying for something and you wake up in the middle of the night sometimes, thinking about it, wondering about it. And he's saying, where is this boy? What happened to this boy's gone? Oh, it's just a terrible thing. What a loss. And I'm uh, thinking he must have watched... Uh, uh, put the stars and questioned God and said, God, why? What's going on? Why? What's happening here? I don't understand this. And during that time, here this boy is now thrown in prison because he's accused of something he didn't even do. And then, of course, there are two guys in there, butler and a baker, and uh, one of them, he has a dream. They have a dream. He has the ability to interpret dreams. And the story, you know, is that he interpreted that they... Uh, 
that the uh, butler would uh, be exalted. He would be exalted and given position, and then the, the baker, he, he would be, uh, his head would be lifted, and he would lose his head. And finally, finally, after all of that, then there's such a famine in the land, they hear about this famine, and so Jacob sends his sons to go see where we can get some food. Now, all of this is going on, and I'm asking, where is God? And the Lord spoke to me, and he said these words, God is at work. He didn't come down and say to Jacob, well, your son's here. He's all going to be all right. You can have peace about this. He didn't say anything. Jacob doesn't know what his future is going to be. He's just going from one thing to the next. But the next thing you know, he's out of prison and he's promoted because he can interpret these dreams. He's interpreted that they're a dream about seven years of good times, seven years of hard time, and that they need uh, to prepare for that. And he's, he's elevated into a very special place, second to Pharaoh. And when those brothers come, he hears them talking. And they're saying, well, this has all happened to us because... Uh, of what we did to our brother. And they're living, they must have had terrible guilt. All those years, they must have thought, why did we do that to our own brother? And I see so many people that are limited, hindered, and, and overcome with grief and doubt because of some guilt of their past, something that they failed, something, some struggle that uh, business failed, some marriage, some uh, raising kids. I mean, you know, all of us, we you can go over the the, the history of any of us and say, wow, why did I do this or didn't do that? But it's interesting. Here is the thing, is that when they came in and when Joseph said, I am Joseph, they couldn't believe it. He heard them talking and even went behind one of the, whatever, the curtain or some uh, partition there. He heard them talking and He's, he's, they're saying, this is because we did this to Joseph. We've done these things. And he began to weep. When he told them, I am Joseph, do you realize that throughout all those years, during that dark time, during those deep waters, during those times where there's no answers, during those times when we're wondering, God, where are you? Where are you? What's going on anyway? I don't understand. During those times, God is at work. And Pharaoh said, I'm going to give you this land called the land of Goshen. Now, when I was a boy growing up, if they had something that was amazing, they'd say, oh, land of Goshen. Well, what that meant was, that's a surprise. That's a, that's a special land. That's fertile land. That's the best land. And he said, I'm going to give this to your family. And they brought the whole tribe, brought all the family in, moved them down to the land of Goshen. What's going on anyway is that God is at work. God is at work. And it doesn't look like it. And there's nothing that shows us or tells us. I know that some people, they know everything, but I'm one of those kind of people. I just have to live by faith. Amen. Amen. And sometimes I have a, good, a dream, sometimes I have a pizza dream, and sometimes I can't tell the difference. That's pretty bad. <laughs> and the truth is, God is at work. 
What hasn't happened? Where's his answer? When's it going to happen? What's going to be? What's going to come? I'll tell you what's going to happen. The land of Goshen is going to happen. The Bible says that God is in charge. God is in charge and that he knows the end from the beginning and that he's at work in a situation we don't even understand. But he's there working and moving and he took them all the way to the land of Goshen. I don't know how many years went by that Joseph must have wondered and yet God was at work. He said, why have all these things befallen me? Why? Another place it says he was brought down to grief. Why are all these things against me? And I pastor a church and I live with people and live in a real world. And I know what people go through. And I can tell you, you can't help but go through those times with them and pray, God, I don't understand this. I can't figure this out. I sat with that dear mother yesterday. Bless her heart, nearly 90 years old, beautiful white hair. There she sat crying. She'd lost this one, this one, this one. You know, we always believe that, uh, that uh, uh, parents should outlive their, or a kid should outlive their parents. She lost that boy. I did another boy's funeral. I did her father. I did her husband's funeral. And there's a lot of things in this world that we will never have the answer for, except we know that God is a good God and that God is a faithful God. Hallelujah. And some days are good and some days ain't so good. And what you lose on the peaches, you're going to make on the pears. And what doesn't work here, God's at work over here. But God is at work. I preached in Mexico last week about, and there's a, there's a family there, a pastor, and their daughter's backslidden, and, and they don't know where in the world she's going and how it's all going to work out, but they were so encouraged to know that God is at work. God is at work. God is at work. Hallelujah. Let God be true and every man a liar. God is at work. We don't see it. We don't understand it. We can't explain it, wrap our brain around it. But one thing I know, he said, why have all these things happened to me? But God was at work in Joseph's life to save. And he says over in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, you thought that you were doing something evil. And you thought, you know, but God did this for good to save many people alive. And that's where the Jewish nation came. That's where God's plan was set in motion. It was an amazing thing. He said, you thought you were, you know, if it had been, if I'd have been in Joseph's place when I was exalted, I'd have said, let's get 12 electric chairs. <laughs> and besides that, I think we ought to pay Potter for a visit. <laughs> He's the one that had me thrown in jail because his uh, wife. <laughs> Amen. Let's bring her in. Put her in another electric chair. But see, thank God. Aren't you glad we're not God? And he was so forgiving. He was so forgiving. That's amazing to me. You know, to be able to forgive is one of the greatest qualities of life. It is one of the greatest things in life is to be able to give, forgive. I have seen many people that are mad at God. They're mad at God. Preachers. People. Church people, many people quit going to church. They're mad at God. 
God is love. You know, I, I, went, to, I went to a Bible college. I learned one thing in Bible college. God is love. It's his nature. He doesn't keep score. He doesn't, he doesn't hold things over us. He forgives and he forgets all of that. Years and years ago, there were two couples out of, in Sweden, in the Swedish uh, Pentecostal church there in Sweden. And they were in a missionary service where there, were, there was a great uh, anticipation for missions. And people were excited. And these two people came down, these two couples came down, and they said, we dedicate our lives to Congo. We want to go to Congo. They went to Congo. When they, this was back when they had to, ride, uh, had to go on a ship. When they got into Congo, all they had, they had the, their, all their stuff, of course, and they took the machetes, and they fought their way through the forest. A long, long ways. They hacked their way through. Young couples in their 20s. Finally, they reached a village, and the village witch doctor said, you're not welcome here. You're, you're bringing bad luck to us, and you're bringing a curse on us. You're not welcome. Get out of here. And they had to go. They went ahead and hacked their way through to another village. In that village, they, uh, the witch doctor said no. The tribe, uh, tribal uh, leader, he said, you're not welcome here. So they went up on the side of a mountain, and the only thing they could do, you know, back in those days, there's no communication whatsoever. They had to build a couple of huts out of sticks and, and, and mud and whatever they could get together. They built two places where they could live. And that's where they were. Times were very hard. They were so discouraged. Did we miss God? Did we make a mistake coming here? What's going to happen to us? Are we going to die here? We haven't had any success. We have no good reports to send back. And there was, a, there was a kid in that village that was 12 years old. He was the only one that would have anything to do with those two couples. One of the men was named David Flood. You can Google all this. It's, I'm telling you a true story. And <clears throat> most of the time I tell the truth. And <laughs> the, the truth is, this one boy would bring them vegetables and chicken and fish and kept them alive, sustained them. One boy. And there was a lady there, Swedish girl, beautiful singer, 27 years old. She uh, would try to talk to him, and she made an effort. And they'd learned the dialect, learned the language, and she could communicate enough to tell him about Jesus and what he did on the cross and how his life could be changed. And every time he would come, she would talk to him. Well, the other couple, I hope I'm, you're, you're staying with me. The other couple got so discouraged, they said, we're going back to the mission station, which I preached there. It's in eastern Congo on the, on the border. It used to be Zaire. It's called Uvira. And there, they went back to that mission station. So that left David Flood and his uh, wife there. Well, they had one little boy, but she became pregnant and uh, had a little girl. This uh, lady got sick, and malaria is a terrible thing. To In those days, especially bad, still bad enough, but in those days it was terrible to have, and it's just 
to get through it. She had a terrible fever. She died. She was 27 years old. He had to go down in the village and talk someone in that tribe to help him dig a grave, and he buried his wife. His, he loved her. She's just a beautiful blonde girl, uh, 27 years old, and there he buried her. And he said, I'm going back to the mission station. He got some men to help him. He took his little boy, his little girl, and they made their way back, and it took them a long time to carry everything back to that mission station. All the time he's going through that jungle, he's getting more angry and more mad and more angry at God. He's so mad at God. God, you failed us. You, you let us out here. You let us down. You failed us. He was so mad at God. When he got to the mission station, there were people there that were wanted a child he had to go back to Sweden and he said well I can't take this baby girl but I'll give her to you you take her and so they took her the, the couple that took her the chief in that area despised missionaries and he poisoned that couple and killed them the little girl was then passed on to another couple David Flood went back to Sweden. He became an alcoholic. He married his wife that he buried. He married her younger sister. He was such a vile and such a wicked and angry individual. He became a terrible alcoholic. He, all of his kids were in bad, were in terrible shape. They hated him. He was such a wretch. Now, this little girl, her name is Aggie. And the couple that took her didn't have any children. They took little Aggie, went back to the United States, and she was known across the country as a girl without a country because she couldn't get into the United States. She didn't have a country. She wasn't a citizen anywhere. Finally, after a long ordeal, she got to be a U.S. citizen, and she was raised there. She happened to marry a guy by the name of Dewey Hurst, who became a very well-known president of an Assembly of God Bible College in northwest uh, uh, part of the United States. She didn't know where her dad was. She had no idea about any of the rest of her family. And she kept thinking, I want to go to Sweden. I want to go to Sweden. That's where I'm from. And I'm, I'm just making it a long story short here. She, someone came and they said, listen, we want to send you to Sweden first class with your husband. And you can see maybe your relatives, you'll see your homeland and you'll get to go. And she was thrilled. They got on the plane and went. While they were walking down the street, you transition into London and uh, then you take another flight. And while they were walking down the street in London, they really didn't want to go. There was a conference there, and they really didn't want to. It was a beautiful day, and they didn't want to go to the conference. They wanted to go shop. But she said, or he said, let's go to the conference, and we'll sit in the back, and uh, we'll uh, get up and leave after a while. While she's sitting back there, 
they said, now we're going to introduce all the missionaries. And they thought, oh, my. Oh, you know, all these missionaries. They're each one going to probably talk a long time. We're going to be here forevermore. And so she's sitting back there. And it wasn't but about the third missionary that came up. And he was a black man. He stood up there and he said, I'm from Congo. My name is, told his name. He said, we have won hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. We've built a hospital. We've built a Bible college. And uh, he gave his name, and suddenly it dawned on her that it was the same little boy that her mother had talked to about Jesus back when they were in Africa. She said, to her husband, you've got to get me up there. And her husband worked his way through and made a way for her to get through the crowd. And she said, I am Aggie. And he began to weep. He said, I'm the boy that brought food to your family. I remember your mama died. I remember your dad. Where's this one, this one, this one? She said, I don't know where my dad is. I don't know where my brothers and sisters are. But he said, she said, well, did you know you're in the newspapers? You're on the news. People are talking. The whole, listen, the whole tribe got saved. They built a church. They built a church. And it was an amazing story of how that happened. And she said, well, I'm going to Sweden. I want to find my dad. Well, the story is that she did go to Sweden. Her dad was a drunken sot. Her dad was a shriveled old man, long beard, spittle, just laying in bed. Had a lady there that uh, took care of him, and she went in. It, it was hard for her to be able to find him. She did find him, of course, and then went in, and he uh, was so bitter. She said, Dad... I'm Aggie. He said, I didn't want to give you away, but I couldn't keep you. She said, Dad. He said, hold it. God failed us. God, blankety blank, blank. She said, Dad, do you remember the little boy that was there that brought food to us? And he said, yeah. He said, the whole tribe has turned to Christ. They've built a church there. Another tribe had gotten hundreds of thousands, not a thousand, hundreds of thousands. At the whole area there was touched with the gospel. And he, she said, it wasn't a failure. It wasn't, you didn't fail. Where was God? Where was God? God was at work. God was at work. You say, it's been years. This is wrong. This is wrong. These are dark water. These are dark days. These are deep waters. I don't understand. Where's this? Where's this? When's this? When's I don't understand. God doesn't come down always and just tell me everything that's going on. That's why he said the just shall live by faith. We have to believe God. And big old tears came down her daddy's face. He said, Really? I'm so sorry, Aggie. I'm so sorry I left you. She embraced him, kept coming back. 
Her sisters hated her dad. Her brothers hated their dad. She happened to be going by a tent meeting. And while she in, in Sweden, while she was going by that tent meeting, they asked her to say a few words. And while she was saying those words, she had an aunt that prayed. You know, in every tribe, every family, everywhere, there's somebody praying. Hallelujah. Everywhere there's a prayer. One prayer is an army with God. One prayer is an army with God. Does he always come down and tell me? No, but I know he's real. I know he's real. My old daddy used to stand and sing with his hands in the air, crying some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're not guaranteed. We're not guaranteed a life of a bed of roses. We're not guaranteed everything's going to work out never like we want it to, when we want it to, but God is a good God. He's a just God, and he is at work. Her, her aunt heard her giving that testimony, and they embraced. She found her other sisters, and some of them accepted Christ. But the story is that God was faithful to move when we don't know it. God had his hand on you before you were born. He's numbered the hair on your head. Some of you ain't giving me much trouble. I'm telling you. <laughs> He knows all about us and loves us. Amen. He had his hand on me before I was born. My, when I'm in Texas, I think of godly Texas. I don't, it's a little town, one of the most ungodly places we ever lived. <laughs> I tell you, godly Texas. Anybody ever heard of godly Texas? My dad pastored a church there. And they would send me down to this slaughterhouse where they killed chickens. And they kept, they'd cut the feet off and put them in the garbage out in the bag, but they were fresh. And, hey, man, I want you to know that. <laughs> they may have been chicken feet, but they were fresh. How many's ever had chicken feet before? Oh, you guys don't know what you're missing. Some of you don't care. And you know what? My mom would send me down there. She'd say, Ronnie, you go down there in the back. They've got fresh chicken feet today and get them. And I go down there and get them out of that dumpster and bring them back. One day I was walking down there. And as I was walking down there, there was an object about this big flying over me. And I would go this way, it followed me. I'd go this way, it followed me everywhere. They didn't have remote and all that back then. Follow me. I didn't understand it. I went home and told my parents. I said, this thing, I, I'm going to try to get it tomorrow. It's followed me. It's like a little helicopter or something. Dad said, well, you're just thinking you're just, you got a, a vivid imagination. But Mama said, it's a sign. The Bible says there will be signs, miracles, signs, and wonders. A wonder will make you wonder. And all the time, God's working in your life. All the time, he's ordering your steps. All the time, he's saying, don't do this. Don't go there. Check this out. Wait on this. Just be in tune. 
And did you know that sometimes when we even make a wrong decision, he comes down and corrects it? I'm telling you, it's a miracle working God we serve. He's real. That book that I'm telling you about, it's called Aggie. It's called One Witness. And I'm going to tell you what. I looked the other day. They want $1,900 for that book. But I got, I got mine for 25 because I got Jewish blood in me. And it works every time. And I tell you, it's called Aggie. Why have all these things befallen me? Why? And if there's only one person, two people, that it helps tonight. Oh, it helps you. To know that God has not forgotten you. That you're not just a nobody. That you're not just somebody he's putting up with. But he is at work. And oh, what a reunion with Jacob and Joseph and all their family in the land of Goshen. There's a land of Goshen waiting for you. There's a land of Goshen waiting for you. There's a multitude of people waiting for us. There's a nation with your name on it. There's somebody that needs a miracle. There's somewhere we can be a help and be a blessing to somebody. Amen. And I love to go in the morning. I'll get a sack of tracks after prayer. And I go over to the street across there, across the King's Supers, and uh, witness. Sometimes they don't accept it. Sometimes they do. But I know this one thing. God's word will not return void. I know this one thing, that that girl, Aggie, she never lost heart. She never lost heart. She didn't know who her parents were. She had no idea what had happened to her daddy. But God, listen, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I hope tonight I would did more than just, I hope I hope encourage somebody, but it moved my heart. I got a whole sermon here, but it would take me till two in the morning. You, you, y'all want to leave before then? I'm sure, right? Yeah. Don't. <laughs> She's saying, please move on. <laughs> but the truth is, there's a powerful revelation in the story from the bloody coat to the land of Goshen. God was at work. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for this service and for these precious folks that have come to church. Lord, you gave me the scripture. It's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. Except you build a house, we labor in vain that build it. Father in heaven, I see a great congregation of people here. I see a great number of people here I see a great number of people that are a powerful force that literally impact this state and this area in a powerful way and that you're moving mightily 
in those relatives that we think don't want the Lord and those people who are struggling with life and are dealing with issues and some here God are saying why have all these things befallen and why are these things worked out in my life and Lord you sent me to tell them that you have not forgotten them that you have not forgotten but that you are at work just like you would work in that one witness of that little boy in Africa who took the gospel and turned that part of the world upside down. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you that you're still in the miracle business, that you're still in the miracle. The eternal, wonderful, miracle-working Christ is still in business. While our heads are bowed for just a moment, the story is that Aggie went back to the grave of her mother. There she kneeled, the grave of a 27-year-old girl who won one person to Christ. Folks, I want to tell you something. One day, life is but a vapor and we'll all be in eternity I want him to remember me Lord remember me I want to know that I none of nobody here is perfect but I'm going to tell you we have a perfect savior and that's the difference that makes the difference and if we will acknowledge that we're lost and we're hopeless and we need a Savior and we ask Him, He'll change our lives. If you're here tonight and you're thinking, oh, I don't know, God seems to have forgotten me. I just wonder, and I'm not calling right now for people to come to Christ. You're just saying, you know what? I just sometimes wonder if God even knows who I am and my name. And if He's anywhere around, just raise your hands. See it. It's honest people here just... Some here, you wonder if God even hears your prayer. Say, how could he hear my prayer? I'm worth, I'm, I'm not worthy. There's somebody here tonight, you're saying, how would God hear my prayer? I'm not worthy. Yes, but he is. And that's what matters. How many here tonight would raise your hands and say, I don't know if I am really right with God. I don't know if I'm ready to stand before God. And you can go out of this place tonight knowing without a doubt that you are right with God and that you are saved. Your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. What a wonderful thing. And you'd say, how many here would just raise your hand and say, I question that. I want to know. Please remember me. Just raise your hands up all across this building. Raise them up and put them up and put them back down. Amen. I see your hands. How many more? I see it, buddy. God bless you. How many more? How many of you say, you know what? I lost my way. I lost my way. And I got discouraged. And I said, God, do you remember me? Am I going to make it? What's the use? I've tried and failed so many times. I just keep falling. Let me tell you something. God's going to help you. How many there? Raise your hands. Just be real tonight. Just say, here I am. I'm, I've gotten away from God. Pray for me. Amen. Let's stand, shall we, together? I want these that raise your hands just to come. I want to pray for you. Is that okay?
Just come, dear. Amen. Bring that baby with you. Praise God. Others, you'd like to come? For, you're carrying a burden? You're carrying a concern? You got something that's bothering you? You got, you're, you're, you're dealing with something? There's somebody here. Listen, you, you're making a serious decision about something. You need to come. God's going to help you. I've had God give me more answers at an altar than I ever did talking to somebody smart. I believe in talking to smart people, but I can tell you the Holy Spirit's the smartest of all. And you say, I'm about to make some decisions. I need to know what God's will is. You come. Would you come as we sing?